Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another All-22 Daily. You got Chris and Ray today again. Uh, Ray, we are now kind of like well into the season. It's week three. Week three's done. We're talking about week three, but it's about week four now. This is like insane. Yeah, it, it goes it goes quick, which is scary because you, you want to savor it. But uh, yeah, yeah, heading into week four, it's kind of like every, everybody kind of starts to slide back into their you know, they're what they're going to be for the rest of the season in a sense, right? Some guys that might've been flying high or some teams that might've been flying high early on, maybe punching above their weight, kind of slide back into uh, where you thought they might be. You're kind of back into the pack. And then others that may have started out slow, start to hit their stride. So you kind of, you kind of start to, to really get a sense of where everyone's going to end up and, and how things are going to play out. But at the same time, there's still plenty of time to go and many twists and turns throughout the NFL season, like always. It goes so quick. I'm like still sitting here going like, I can't wait to see what Justin Fields is. And it's like, oh, wait, he's he's three (laughs) games into his third season, you know, and it's like, wow, like we're starting to know what these guys are. And even the rookies, right? We're seeing a lot of what, you know, a, a, uh, you know, Bryce Young and a, and a CJ Stroud are becoming. And it's, it's really cool, but it is going quick. So uh, let's jump into QBs of week three and the top performer this time. He finally did it. Patrick Mahomes, number one on the board with a 90.3 two is number two with an 88.2 versus the Browns or sorry, versus the Broncos. And then Russell Wilson actually versus the Dolphins, even though they got blown out, he had an 86.9 grade showing that maybe it wasn't his fault this time. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. For once, um, yeah, maybe it's something to do with uh, Taylor Swift in, in in the in the suite in the box over there in Kansas City. It just elevates the performance of everybody in, at Arrowhead. I guess I I, I don't know. Uh, there's got to be something there. I mean, I I looked up. She has like 280 million Instagram followers or something like that. Like that's almost the entire country. But I don't know many people that follow her on Instagram. So I feel like maybe it's everybody that I don't know just <laughs> follows Taylor Swift. I, I don't know, but that's. That's got to be that's got to be big time. I think we have to tap into that market somehow. We got to get the Swifties on board with all twenty-two. I feel like they'd love it. Yeah, and if each of them has like five dollars to give us, that'd be awesome, right? We'd be uh, we'd be all right. <laughs> A special Taylor Swift promo code just just for the Swifties. <laughs> you have to be a Swiftie. Um, yeah, Mahomes finally did it, right? And you're right, Taylor Swift in the in the crowd maybe uh, made some waves there. Uh, but the Tua and Russ, you know, game, right? They go off square off against each other, and they both showed out. It's just interesting that the sh- the score showed seventy to twenty or something like that, like a big win for the Dolphins. So like to see Russ there. Uh, but I feel like the real storyline at quarterback is C.J. Stroud. Uh, Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young were both out this week, but C.J. Stroud uh, came in and put up an eighty four point three game and a big win against the Jaguars, right? The Jags almost beat Kansas City a couple weeks ago. And, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be one of the top five QBs in the league now. And here comes rookie CJ Stroud just being super consistent, comes out of there with a win. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I think the, the, the interesting thing about Stroud over the other rookie quarterbacks is just the amount of 
passing plays he's had, the volume of plays that he's had to date. And it's kind of in a broader sense when you look at the quarterbacks in this class. I think the main storyline overall is that you have to protect your young quarterbacks or your young rookie quarterbacks have to protect themselves in the sense of, again, someone like Anthony Richardson who's taken on a bunch of contact so far this this season, even though it's still early on in the season. Uh, Bryce Young had the injury as well. And uh, so, it, and then you have the Texans. Yes, Stroud played really well and it was a great win for the Texans. And, and yes, they had, a, I think, a, a special team touchdown in there as well to obviously help the cause. But the Texans are putting Stroud on an arm management plan after he was dealing with a throwing shoulder injury uh, this coming week or this past week, even though he played through it and obviously played well. So these are all just things to keep in mind. Not sure exactly what to take away from it or what's actionable other than you got to protect these, these investments just because just because they're young doesn't mean they're invincible. And again, highly drafted quarterbacks right at the top of the first round likely are going into the best of situations. So even if they sort of perform well or kind of punch above their weight, you still got to protect them for the long term. And so it's great to see Stroud do well. We kind of mentioned how early in the preseason really struggled and like, Hey, that's, that's, that's fine. That's all part of the process. Nothing to really take away from that early on. Uh, so we're seeing that development and how, a rookie quarterback is supposed to grow and develop over the course of a young season, which is what you want to see from Stroud. But let's also please protect these guys. That's just as important because we're thinking 10 to 12 years down the road, not just 10 to 12 weeks. Absolutely. And now Ray for the second week in a row, we have a rookie running back finishing at the top of the running back list. Uh, this time it's H. A-chain. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually changed the way he wants it pronounced. There was like a, a something released. I think it's A-can now or A-cane. Oh. So something like okay. that. 94.4 grade in uh, in week three. So in this, again, second week in a row, we have a rookie running back finishing first. So I want to know, is there something to that? And number two, is he is he legit? Is he worth kind of buying into? Oh, yeah. I mean... I know you know that I've said that from the start. I think A chain, A cane. I'll have to look up the, the pronunciation now that, that you said it. But uh, Devin was always my number three back in this class behind Bijan and, and Gibbs. And I thought those three, not that he was in the same tier as those two as a prospect, because obviously they were they were drafted the top half of the first round. He wasn't for a reason. Um, but I've always felt he's legit. He's got that breakaway speed, but yet still has the ability and and the running style, the way he sort of contorts and positions himself to break some arm tackles despite not having that big frame of someone like a Bijan Robinson. Coupled with that system in in Miami, yes, the the offensive line I think you've touched on is not the best. It's not. But the system and the weapons around them that complement the running game and allow for that space uh, for him to operate or any running back to operate for that matter and utilize that speed that they all have, they make it work despite not having an offensive line like the Falcons or whenever they're healthy, which literally has not been for the entire career of Tyler Smith since he was drafted 22 games ago. Uh, someone like the Cowboys, right? The Dolphins make it work in their own unique way stylistically with all that speed on the field, and he just sort of fits right into that. That doesn't mean he's going to go out and have another 90-plus grade probably this week. I feel like most people had him on their bench on the back end of their running back rotation this week. Uh, so yeah, don't 
predict 90 plus grades every single week. It is still a rookie. There is still a bit of a timeshare there, but it's what you wanted to see. He showed you that glimpse of, of what's to come. And I love it. So not only did he change the pronunciation of his last name, he changed it of his first name. So you got that wrong too. It's, it's now Davon A. Chan. All right. Davon A. It's my guy, DA. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the speed in that Miami system is just perfect, right? Like he wasn't my favorite prospect. I didn't have him as my number three, but when he landed in Miami, that changed everything just because that system is tailor-made for a guy like him. But we're going to talk about another kind of Miami uh, skill player, and that's Tyree Kill with a 95 grade um, against the Broncos. That's a common trend. They had they put up 70 <laughs> points. They're going to grade well. So Hill did that. Adams with a 90, uh, Devontae Adams with a 90.9 game versus the Steelers. Uh, Chris Olave with a 90.6 versus Green Bay. And then Tank Dell with an 83.9 versus the Jack. So a couple guys in there that are like, you know, the true vets. But then we're seeing some young, really good route runners slide into the, uh, the top of this list. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I feel like that's your guy, right? Tank Dell, uh, good separate. I mean, if you think about it, you got a young quarterback who has a great game. Someone's got to be the beneficiary of that, right? A lot mm -hmm. of the talk has been Nico Collins over there in, in Houston as, as sort of like the main primary target. And, and he's, he's been very good too. That's great. Um, but I think he's gotten the lion's share of discussion because he's that prototypical size, whereas Tank Dell is not. But again, that's fine. There's more than one way to skin a cat. He's that separator, that quick separator that can be a quarterback's best friend when you have someone who can get open quickly and you can sort of dump the ball off to and get some yak. And I think that's what we're seeing with Tank Dell. Uh, and what I thought was interesting is a lot of times bigger players – Yes, in the sense that as you're closer to the ball, right, there's a harder transition uh, and it takes more time because it's just a more physical brand of of ball and, and so forth. But also someone like Tank Dell has been small his entire life, right, when it comes to playing football, especially at the college level and now at the pros, right? Whereas a lot of times big players have to adjust to everybody else being as big and strong as them. Small players like a Tank Dell or those quick slot receivers that their game is just quick separation, that doesn't change from one level to the next. That's still what they do. They're still, they've been smaller than everybody already. They've already had to make that adjustment, likely when they went into college and started in the college game. So someone like a Tank Dell is probably going to transition quicker into the NFL than someone like a Quentin Johnston uh, when it comes to having that instant impact overall. And I think that's what you're seeing from someone like Tank Dell. Absolutely. And at tight end, we have another rookie doing really, really well. And that's Sam Laporta versus Atlanta. He put up an 80.1. It's a second week in a row with a very high grade. Last week was high 70s. Now he actually breaks that 80, uh, that 80 grade. And tight end is typically something that takes a long time to get good and consistent at. Uh, so what do we think about Sam Laporta? He's, he's great. He's exceeded my expectations. I liked him a lot, but he wasn't my tight end one. It was Darnell Washington. And that was putting whatever pre-draft injury aside, of course. But yeah, he's he has to have surpassed everybody's expectation of him. Um, and it's it's really great to see. And, and I think, like we said, he embodies everything about Dan Campbell because we know he's athletic. We know he can catch the ball and get downfield. We've seen the receiving production. But also, he's just like that Dan Campbell guy. Dan Campbell was a blocking tight end, and Sam Laporta has just completely embrace that physicality part of his game so he is well-rounded and he is grading well he's not just producing yards and touchdowns he's also producing when it comes to run blocking in the ground game and so 
yeah, all that, Hey, tight end transition and all the time it takes to, to really hit their stride. He's, he's not that he's just completely skipping that part of his development because there's still going to be those moments. He's still a rookie, but yeah, he's on a much faster track than any of us thought. It's great to see. And we'll see him again tonight on Thursday night football and see how he does here in game four. Yeah, we'll touch on that a bit later, but I'm excited to see him and what he can do against some of the Green Bay edge rushers that have had a lot of success. I'm expecting him to spend a lot of time kind of ensuring that Jared Goff is it has a clean pocket and he might be staying in there a little bit longer to make some of those blocks against a guy like Rashawn Gary. We saw what Gary did to Derek Carr last week, and uh, I'm sure they don't want that to happen to Goff. Um <laughs> But the number one graded tight end this week was Farrell Brown for the Pats. It was his first start of the season. He had a 93.4 grade against the Jets. And then at tackle, the top performer was another Patriot, Trent Brown, uh, again versus the Jets with a 92.4. So a lot of uh, highly graded uh, Pats players against a really strong Jets defense. But a few other top performers at tackle, Lane Johnson versus the Bears with an 88.7. Tyler Smith with an 84. Uh a Dewan Jones versus Tennessee, 65.5. I wanted to call him out just because he's another guy that's been really consistent in his rookie year. So um, getting that start after the big injury to their starting tackle, he steps in and he's, he hasn't really missed a beat with the amount of snaps he played in the preseason. He's kind of just rocking and rolling at this point. Yeah, that's that's a guy with with a lot of upside and 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 size there that makes it difficult for opposing rushers. I think had a tough time with against the Steelers and TJ Watt, which I mean, duh, of course that that's going to happen when you're a rookie going up against TJ Watt. So um, not something I would ding him for. I'm still not comfortable with him as a starter by any means, but if you're in year two or beyond of, of your league and, and that's someone you picked up in a rookie draft uh, probably in the fifth or sixth round, or maybe even because of his original draft capital fell onto waivers. I think that's a very quality waiver pickup uh, just to have and stow into the back end of your tackle rotation there, because this is someone with ability and upside. And again, slowly getting better, not going to start him in my lineup, especially if he's going again against up, up against TJ Watt and the Steelers like he did in week two, but that's someone for the long haul that you could trust and can eventually be a starter at a very important position and play very well for you. Absolutely. And this was a very weak week for the interior of the offensive line. And we'll see why when we get to like kind of the interior of the defensive line. Uh, but Matt Bergeron, I wanted to call him out with a 69.5 grade versus Detroit. Uh, so, you know, another rookie guy that's playing pretty well. And then in his first start with the Jets, Joe Titman had a 71.5 grade. So that's pretty good for your first start at center against, you know, what can be a very tricky Patriots defense, right? Bill Belichick defense. It's it's hard to grade well against them. Especially if you're a rookie, because you normally will have your head spinning. And and what's interesting is, again, I mean, primarily a center, right? And so, obviously, put him in at guard. There's been some injuries uh, on that Jets line already, which is probably like the eighth year in a row that we've actually said that. Um, so, I'm leery of how he's going to perform for the rest of the season, just because it's a it's just a bad situation over there in New York. Now it had some promise at the start of the year. Obviously that all went out the window week one early on. Um, but he's likely been a pretty high or mid round draft choice for, for rookie drafts this past summer. So I'm not starting him, but I am monitoring to see because guard is not very deep and hasn't been. And whether he ends up at guard or center, both positions are not very deep. So depending on where he really settles in, 
I want to see some progress. I want to, I want to see some ups. There's going to be downs naturally, but I just want to see enough ups from his game and his performances this season uh, to know what I'm having for, for the future. And I think this has been a good start so far. Definitely. And now going to that defensive interior side of the ball, it was led by Jalen Carter with a 94.9 grade versus Tampa Bay. And again, as a rookie, Jalen Carter is now the highest graded defensive interior by PFF in the entire NFL. So super excited to hear about him. Javon Hargrave had a 93 grade versus the Giants and then Aaron Donald with a 92.9 versus Cincinnati. So we're seeing some of those veterans just be extremely consistent. But a guy like Jalen Carter already going to the top of that list. And I'll also say there was one, two, three, four, five, five guys on the defensive interior graded over a 90, right? When we were talking about the interior offensive line, that's guard and center. There wasn't a single one. That's that's wild. That that is absolutely wild. Um, it's crazy because it takes me a while to register something like that. Because my initial thought, as you're talking, is just why in the world did we let Jalen Carter slide to the Eagles? Like as as a league, that was so. I mean, we called it at the time. We said, "What are these people doing? That you can't do that." And mm-hmm. and and they did it. They let it happen. So the best defensive front in the, in, or at least the deepest defensive front in the league, got even deeper. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it it accentuates a trend that we've seen already in the league in that defensive line play, and in particular on the interior, has been far ahead of interior offensive line play for the last few years. And that gap is only widening when you, when you have talented guys like Jalen Carter into the league. Even Keanu Benton over in Pittsburgh has been making splash plays as well. You talk about a mid-round pick in this year's rookie class. We're seeing young defensive interior players emerge Uh, as sort of that next wave of talent at that position. And again, it just may be slower on the uptake for the offensive side, but over the last few years, the interior offensive line has just not kept up. No, it absolutely has not. And that's due to the the amount of talent that's coming in at defensive interior and edge. I think for a little stretch there, maybe there was a three or four year stretch. There wasn't really a guy that came into the league that, put fear in people, right? It was um, a few good draft class with Quinn and Williams and Derek Brown. And then there was this kind of this lull. Now we're seeing that pick up. And I think we were so used to kind of this like long uptake that it took for the defensive interior players, even a Quinn and Williams, even a Derek Brown, that what Jalen Carter is doing is even that much more special, which is if you did get Jalen Carter in one of these rookie drafts, like you are in a really good position and sorry, the dog's cr- crying over here. But uh, let's go to the edge position with Miles Garrett versus Tennessee with a 93.3. Nick Bosa versus the Giants with a 92.8. We talked about how these top guys at edge will continue to be the top guys because of what they're asked to do, right? They're asked to get to the quarterback. That's their job. It's not extremely relying on other people. Um, can you I feel, hear I feel like he, Oh, yeah. I, I feel like he did not draft Jalen Carter or any of these edge guys that we're talking about. Yeah, I think he's upset about this. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let me try to all right, relax, buddy. There we go. Okay, so those two guys. Then we have uh Trey Hendrickson versus the Rams. We saw what he did to Matthew Stafford, constantly trying to get to him. 92.1 grade, Aiden Hutchinson versus Atlanta with a 91.8. So that's another young guy that last year, you know, people were saying that he was, you know, a good prospect, maybe not a top prospect. He fell in the draft to number two, which everybody was kind of surprised about. But he's proving that he's one of these top edge rushers in the NFL. And then we get Will Anderson. Again, I want to always talk about these young guys and make sure that we're mentioning them, even if they're not the top graded guys. But we saw he had a bad grade last week in the 50s. 
This week he comes back to, you know, a more consistent grade somewhere. We want to see him as a rookie with a 73.6 grade versus the Jags. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to mute myself. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's exactly it. I think Aiden Hutchinson, at least for me personally, he has exceeded my expectations and, and continues to do so to where, um, I think I've changed my opinion. Not that it was ever low or bad. I just, I never thought he'd be a superstar edge rusher. I'm not sure he's a superstar edge rusher just yet. When you mentioned some of those top names, like a Garrett, like the Boses, like a Parsons, um, I think he is a tier below that, but I thought he might be two tiers below that, which is still a very good player. But I think thus far he's really exceeded my expectations and he hasn't had like an elite rusher opposite him or anything like that to where he's a beneficiary of situation. I think they have some, some pretty good interior players over there on the defensive line in Detroit, someone like an Ali McNeil, but for the most part, Aiden Hutchinson is that guy on that defensive front and opponents know it. And he's still putting up, uh, quality performances week after week he's just a relentless rusher so uh i I think kudos to aiden hutchinson he's definitely moved up the board for me um and and changed my opinion of him overall and yeah there's there's many very good edge rushers or there's many good edge rushers a few very good rushers and then even fewer elite guys um that again can turn the tide of a matchup for you overall. So it is a deep position because of where the NFL asks these guys to do. And it's just what they've been doing And the best athletes sort of end up at edge rusher if they do have that size. So yes, it's a deep position and you likely feel good about your top two edges, regardless of your league size because of the depth of that position. But you go back to how guys like Garrett and the Boses and the Parsons can be that difference maker. And Aiden Hutchinson, while still not being that superstar edge, has those weeks where he grades in the top five of the position and can be that sort of trendsetter for you for that week, even if he's not a top five edge rusher overall. So that's very good to see. And again, still very young and without like a a, a great situation. Not that it's bad by any stretch, but not a great situation along the rest of that defensive front for him. Yeah, so I think as long as I scratch his back, he'll be a little bit more quiet. So I'm going to just keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. Love it. Um, but Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. And I think we talked about it with Sam Laporta, but I think Hutchinson went to the right situation in Detroit. I think his personality, he he's one of those guys that I think it just works really well with Dan Campbell. Uh, he likes that fiery coach, but a coach that cares about his players a lot, right? He's not a coach that's going to belittle them and make them feel less when they when they don't succeed on a specific play. Uh, and I think that works really well with Aiden Hutchinson. So I like that a lot. Linebacker, there was a few kind of guys that just made the list. It was like some of their first starts and we're seeing them just be the top guys. And we talked about how that's kind of how linebacker goes. But one guy I wanted to call out, Noah Sewell for the Bears versus Kansas City had, an, had a 90 grade this week. So a guy that I was I was actually very not high on. Uh, going into the draft, I thought he was maybe lacking some of the athletic nature that we're seeing in some of the top pick linebackers now. But he showed up and had a 90 grade versus Kansas City again for the Bears in a tough loss. Uh, that's that's pretty exciting and promising. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not I'm not doing anything just yet. I got to see it again. It's linebacker. Linebacker is just you know it, linebacker will pull the rug out from under you once you think you've got it figured out. So just hold off. If you got him on your roster, great. I still wouldn't start him. If they were playing the Chiefs again this week, I would still not start him because it's a very tough assignment for linebackers overall. And yes, he did well. But just wait and see. Young linebackers can have 
an anomaly of a game. Not to say that's exactly what this is or for certain that that's what this is, but yes, hold off uh, and let's see how the rest of it shakes out because, again, a fifth-round rookie linebacker does not fit the profile of someone who's just going to end up as a top 25 linebacker at the position for the season. Um, again, the, the Bears and kind of where they are as a roster, he's probably going to get a lot of playing time, so that's good. So you're going to get to see a lot of what Sewell is and what he can become, but I'm not putting him in my starting lineup while I figure that out. Absolutely not. And then my guy, Jack Campbell came in at a 60 grade. Uh, you know, I think what you're seeing out of him is still this like learning experience, but you're seeing him do the little things well, which is why he has a 60 grade, right? It's 60 means that you are average. You're doing what is expected of you. And I think that's what his game has been showing. There's still some rough plays, but you're also seeing some every once in a while, like that diving pass breakup uh, week one, you're seeing the athleticism that led him be a first round pick. He's a guy that I would keep an eye on as the, as the season continues to move on to see how he kind of continues to improve and starts making some bigger plays with that athleticism. But going to corner, we got Trent McDuffie versus the bears, 92.6 grade. Uh, there's, there's been stuff on social media about him because he is currently PFS highest graded cornerback. So as if the chiefs needed more talent, Trent McDuffie is proving why they took him early that's exciting. Kendall Fuller versus the Bills, 92.1. And then Murphy Bunting for the second week in a row makes this list with a 91.3. Uh, and then a couple of rookies I want to talk about quick. So Christian Gonzalez, 75.2 versus the Jets. Another high grade from him. And then Devin Witherspoon in just his second week coming off of that injury has a 70 grade. So proving that he's you know one of those top corners in the draft. He's doing well. I like to see that. Um, the other two guys, rookies, uh, banks for the giants versus the 49ers, 65.3. So that's a decent grade. I talked about him a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to say to start him yet either. Um, but I do like to see a little bit of an improvement from him. And then our guy, Emmanuel Forbes had a struggling game versus the bills with a 55.2. So I think he's kind of experienced some, some of those rookie struggles more than some of the other guys are. Yeah, uh, he, he definitely is, which is a bit shy. I was not expecting that based off his film. I think if someone was going to transition more easily to the NFL, it would be Gonzalez and then Forbes. Um, but, hey, I mean, it's, it, it happens, and, and still a young player at a tough position. I think overall you've seen some of the playmaking ability, like when he had that late-game interception uh, early on in the year. So the playmaking is there. It's just the consistency down-to-down, down, which can be tough on any corner period let alone a rookie corner um so again kind of let it play out still very high on him and what we've seen uh, and we have seen a glimpse of that playmaking ability but for some guys it's just going to take more time not everybody's going to be a christian gonzalez who just comes in and just just ascends and plays great right off the bat against three very tough assignments at wide receiver. Uh, and then another one coming up when the Patriots play the Cowboys this weekend, and you have Christian Gonzalez against CD lamb. So that's another matchup to watch to see how Christian Gonzalez does overall. But um, yeah, he's, he's passed every test so far. And um, Devin Witherspoon, we've kind of said it, he was a polished player, but uh, again, and, and that hitting ability that he does have that tackling ability, kind of the style that he plays with can lend to high grading. It's just a matter of can the rest of his game, especially downfield sort of sort of keep up or does the NFL kind of give him a talent shock in that regard before he adjusts so far so good there. 
Um, so I think overall the, the corner class is promising. And if you don't have one of those guys that is performing well, like a Witherspoon or Gonzalez right off the bat, but they were pretty talented, that's, that's fine. You know, stay steady. It is still less than a month into their careers. Um, and you know, cornerback can be tough. So definitely hold steady if you don't have one of those top guys, but good to see for those that are just hitting the ground running. Yeah. But if you want to trade me Forbes, I'm ready. So just, uh, I'll shoot you an offer. I'll shoot you an offer. I I can't wait. (laughs) All right. At safety, we have Javon Holland uh, coming back from kind of the the bad year he had last year after his amazing rookie year with a 95.6. He's doing a lot better this year. Micah Hyde, 90.4. And then Brian Branch versus Atlanta with an 84.9. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I mean, we talked about it. I remember I personally wasn't too high in the safety class, and I was unsure about Brian Branch. I knew what he was as a player. wasn't sure if he had the upside for the league. He's been doing very well. It's it's great to see. Detroit fans as a whole are super excited about him and his performances so far, which which is awesome and great to see and just sorely needed in Detroit. This guy's going to get a lot of time uh, on the field, a lot of snaps consistently because they just need that help in the secondary, and he's proving it with his performances that he can provide that safety net uh, and that well-rounded player back there. So uh, overall, Brian Branch has really, really impressed. And again, rookie, so there's going to be bugs in the road. It's just how it is. But I expect that to continue you know, for the long haul or for the most part, that he is going to be putting up solid grades you know, the, in that, in that seventies range, so to speak. And I'm excited to see him again on Thursday night football this week as well. I think it's a really intriguing game for a lot of players in particular. And one of them being Brian branch. Let's jump into that then. So we got green Bay versus Detroit. I think these are teams that have proven that they can compete, but haven't proven that they can be consistent. So we had Detroit win in Kansas city, right? Showing that they could beat some of the best teams in the league, beating Kansas city. And then in week two, they lose to Seattle, who's kind of had a rough start, right? Seattle hasn't been consistent at all. A lot of ups and downs there. And then they come and beat Atlanta, who Atlanta beat Green Bay. So um, again, a lot of ups and downs in Detroit. And then on the Packers side, right? This was supposed to be uh, kind of like this rebuild year. Jordan Love, we were going to see him struggle. And while I do think we've seen him maybe uh, struggle some, right? With his accuracy, not hitting those big plays that are open, uh, you know, he came in and he beat the crap out of the Bears in week one. And then in week two, again, he lost to Atlanta. Uh, comes in in week three, they're down by 17 points to New Orleans. And he leads this amazing comeback uh, and and beats the Saints. So again, these are two teams that have, a, have had a lot of ups and downs so far. And um, I'm excited to see kind of this matchup for a few reasons, right? So Green Bay being third in pass blocking, but 26th in run blocking, right? So like, are they going to rely on Jordan Love in this game? I kind of expect it to be more of a high scoring game considering both of these offenses are pretty strong and both of these defenses are still young and kind of up and coming Detroit sixth in pass blocking third in run blocking and fourth in receiving. So Detroit's offense has the firepower and has the offensive line that we look for. And Jared Goff has been good enough that with that fourth ranked receiving group, he's been explosive. He's, he knows how to get the most out of them. So I think that's the offensive side of the ball. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. Green Bay, 14th in pass rush and 8th in coverage grade, whereas Detroit, 13th in run defense and 23rd in coverage. So these are teams, again, the defenses are a little bit weaker than the offenses. Um, Detroit in particular, they they have one of the best offenses in football, but that defense is still super young. So, Ray, so what players are you excited to see and uh, who are you betting on this week? 
Yeah, it's so I'm very interested in basically the offensive tackles for the Packers against that Detroit front. Uh, I think surprisingly, they've had some very quality play from their young offensive tackles, even recently with Rasheed Walker and Zach Tom um, on the outside there for the Packers offensive line. And Hutchinson is obviously another test and a big test uh, to see how they hold up there. I think that's a very key matchup because I do think um, – through the air is is where the Packers are going to want to to really attack this defense, especially if there is no Aaron Jones uh, on the field for them. So I, I really want to see. I think the key matchup there is how those offensive tackles hold up against that Detroit rush and against someone like uh, Aiden Hutchinson. So really the two potential mismatches I see are do the Packers young tackles sort of come back down to earth against a guy like that? Or does the secondary hold up with no Jair Alexander when the Packers are on defense and maybe Detroit airs it out some and really test that cornerback depth in Green Bay? I really think that's what the game comes down to. I think the the Packers are slight underdogs there, and I think maybe like a point and a half or something in favor of, uh, of Detroit as the favorite there. So that sounds about right to me. Um, and I think it just comes down to those two matchups and how they end up. If you have a, another quality performance from both tackles in Green Bay, that could really shift the shift the momentum and and the ultimate you know result over to Green Bay. I, I would not be surprised at all if that's the case. So one guy I'm intrigued by is Christian Watson, who I believe is coming back this game. Uh, if you had him as a rookie, you'd know that he was he was really good, right? He was consistent. You can start him most weeks, at least in your um, kind of your third receiver set. You could put him at number three and be confident in him. He's coming back this week off of like a hamstring that, you know, I, I don't think will slow him down. And I'm, I'm excited for this Packers receiving group with Christian Watson, because we've seen what Romeo Dobbs can do in small sample size, small sample sizes. But when you put Christian Watson on the field, I think it opens up a lot more for both uh Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. So I'd actually say all three of those Packers receivers, I th I think you can start them. Um, I I would be hesitant to start Watson this week, but I think, you know, going forward, if he looks healthy, he's probably one of those guys I'm starting. But Romeo Dobbs, I would put him in this week and see, see what he becomes with Christian Watson on the field. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm actually going to flip to the other side of the ball with, with Green Bay too, just because we talked about sort of his counterpart there. We talked about Sam Laporta earlier on in this episode. Quay Walker's been crushing it in coverage again this season. I want to see that matchup in the middle of the field and how that ends up uh, shaking out with, with a guy like Quay Walker uh, and obviously seeing if Sam Laporta can sort of keep up that hot streak. Uh, the safeties for the Packers haven't been the greatest, right? Someone like uh, Darnell Savage or, or even a Rudy Ford, but They've actually been, in, at least in my opinion, better than they were at least last year so far. So that middle of the field when the Packers are on defense too, that's another one that I'm really intrigued by. Um, to your point, I'm not sure I would put someone like Dobbs as as my one or two, but I mean, three receiver sets are the most popular offensive set in, in the platform, which makes sense given the depth at wide receiver. And guys like that can slide into that third role and you can kind of see how they shake out given this matchup. Any sleepers you want to call out in this game? Ooh, a sleeper. Um, oh man, that's that's tough because I mean, there's intriguing matchups, but there's none that sort of have like that secret it that sort of tilts tilts me into the favor of saying, "Hey, you got to watch out for this guy." Or I'm 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 predicting this guy to have a big game. 
It's just more so matchups that I really want to see how they shake out overall. I'm not sure I would call it a sleeper, uh, a sleeper per se. Um, maybe someone like, I, I, maybe one of those safeties. I, I I don't know. I think I think depending on how they're they're sort of used here, um, you know, it depends. Someone like Amon Ross St. Brown without Jair Alexander at corner for the Packers probably going to face a lot of double teams. So maybe it's sort of a reverse sleeper. And if he's a focal point of that defensive game plan, maybe he doesn't perform as well as you might think with them missing their top corner, but that's really a shot in the dark because I look at this game and I just see a lot of intriguing matchups overall. You have a strong offensive line against a strong defensive front and someone like Rashawn Gary, who looked better than I thought he would initially coming off of that knee injury. You kind of have the intriguing matchup there again with Laporta versus those uh, linebackers and Quay Walker there sort of in the middle of the field. We talked about those young tackles for the Packers against someone like Aiden Hutchinson. It's just a bunch of intriguing matchups and none that I look at and say, ooh, no one's talking about this guy. And because of because of this metric, I think he's going to have a great game. It's just a lot of matchups that can go either way that I just want to see shake out. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, the only one that I'll add is um, I think the Packers offensive line has been touted as this really good group early in the season. I, I've seen them be ranked one overall. And they're doing that from a pass blocking perspective, but from a run blocking perspective, they're actually towards the bottom of the group in grading. Um, we look at Aline McNeil as this guy for Detroit that does a great job clocking up the middle. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see how Green Bay is able to control the clock because I think if they if they aren't able to control the clock, Detroit could run away with this game. I think that Detroit knows how to put points on the board. So the Packers are going to need to be able to run the ball. Aline McNeil could be the guy to shut that down. And he's had two really good weeks this, this year and one kind of like piss poor week. So That's what Aline kind McNeil. of, a, what kind of a Lee McNeil are we going to get this week? <laughs> I think that the game could hinge on something like that as well. Yeah. I guess if you had to bet, it'd probably be a good Lee McNeil week given, given the matchup there on the interior, which again, we talked about this episode, that interior defensive line is just ahead of interior offensive line in the league. And this is another example of it. Um, but yeah, McNeil's an auto starter for me. He's he's my DI one uh, for for my roster, which I finally got a win because I'm not playing someone who put up 75 points uh, for the week. For once, I think I have the record for points against through through two weeks, and and you know that came back down to earth this past week. A win for you is a loss for you, though, in your chase for the number one yeah, totally. pick. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the game tonight. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. Thanks. Have a good day. I'm a ghost.